Migraine Canada presents Migraine Talks with Dr. Elizabeth LaRue. A podcast to learn, share, and live better. Please remember, the content of this podcast does not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Discuss all decisions regarding your care and treatment options with your healthcare provider. Hello, my friends. In today's podcast, we will tackle the topic of migraine in the workplace. There's no doubt that migraine has an impact on work, and work has an impact on migraine. In my practice, I often hear my patients mention the consequences of migraine attacks on their professional lives. I feel like I'm always struggling. Migraines are unpredictable, or worse, they tend to happen exactly when I need my head to work. My co-workers have seen me during attacks and some understand, but others seem to think that I'm faking it. Overall, I do a lot of catching up during the weekends when I'm late on deadlines, but then my boyfriend tells me I have no time to do things with him. It's a catch-22. I have missed three days of work this week. To discuss the topic of migraine in the workplace, we welcome our guest, Maya Carvalho. Maya is the founder of the Chronic Migraine Support Group Canada, a migraine educator and advocate. She holds a bachelor degree in interior design from the University of Manitoba, as well as an MBA in business strategy from the University of Toronto. Prior to her work in this field, she was a marketing executive for L'Oréal in New York City. She's dedicated to improving the quality of life of Canadians living with chronic migraine by offering educational support peer support and advocacy for this debilitating neurological disease. Maya currently lives in Toronto with her husband and puppy. So hello, Maya. Welcome back to this Migraine Canada podcast. I'm so glad that you can join us again to discuss your experience uh, as you work on a very regular basis uh, with uh, support groups for migraine. Um, so the topic for today is the workplace, and I'm sure that this does come up in the conversation. So is this something that you hear uh, from the people you're talking to uh, in your uh, conversations with them? Hi, Dr. LaRue. It's a pleasure to be here again to speak with you. Uh, yes, the topic of workplace comes up quite frequently. As you well know, uh, the highest prevalence of migraine tends to hit people in their 30s and 40s. And so it's right at the peak of their earning capabilities, at the peaks of their careers. So uh, the workplace environment is hugely important to them and their ability to hang on to their careers while living with migraine is very, very important. Maya is certainly right in describing migraine as a condition impacting productive years. According to the World Health Organization, Migraine is the first cause of years lived with disability in people below 50 years old. That's quite significant considering that WHO looks at all diseases in their health burden studies. Migraine may lead to missed days at work, which is called absenteeism. When the person remains at work but has a reduced productivity, then we talk about presenteeism. Absenteeism is relatively easy to quantify since you can actually count missed days, but presentism might be a little bit more subtle and more difficult to study. Still, a study done in the United States in 2018 showed that migraine was a leading cause of presenteeism, 
even more common than asthma, diabetes, cancer, depression, and arthritis. Employers should probably start paying attention. Many people with migraine tend to push through, even during a bad attack, for many reasons, one of which being a worry that their condition might not be taken seriously. So I think there's no doubt that migraine has an impact on your ability to work. You know, when, when attack, an attack hits and uh, you have to deal with all the different migraine symptoms that we know there's a vast array of them, not only the pain. Um, but uh, migraine is still a stigmatized condition. So I, I often hear from my patients in the clinic that they're not super comfortable with disclosing the migraine condition to their employer. Is this something you hear about? Is there a stigma in the workplace regarding migraine? Yes, I think there is still quite a bit of stigma in the workplace because I think we still have a way to go in terms of establishing migraine as a neurological disease and not simply a headache. So depending on the knowledge of the employer, uh, it's still treated as a fairly minor uh, condition and it's often dismissed by employers. And this makes it quite difficult for the employee to feel confident in speaking to their employer about making accommodations for them in order to be able to perform at their very best. Informing the employers might be a very good strategy to improve the migraine situation at work. In a groundbreaking initiative, the big Japanese company Fujitsu, well known for its electronic and IT products, did a survey of their employees. They realized that 17% of their employees were actually living with migraine and that the impact on their company was massive. During a migraine, productivity was reduced from 100% to 53%. They implemented then an educational program explaining the basics of migraine and what could be done about it. 34,000 employees participated. Talk about an impactful action. So the program received excellent feedback and encouraged Fujitsu employees to seek medical care. Such programs could be adopted by many companies, including in Canada, and may lead to concrete improvements for employees and employers. It's a win-win. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important is to help employers understand that it will increase the productivity of their employee if they help them with accommodations in the workplace. And it will also decrease their absenteeism with that employee. So it's a real benefit for the employer to work with the employee to make the workplace um, a better environment for them. Yes, I think it can be a, a win-win uh, situation. Yes. And you're right, uh, educating uh, employers, sometimes it's just because they do not know, right? So yes. awareness programs and, and discussions uh, with the employers could be done. Um, and you mentioned accommodation, so that, that's interesting. Um, are, there, are there things that you heard about that could be uh, accommodations that will lead to an improvement in the quality of life and the productivity of the uh, employee with migraine? Yes, there are several accommodations uh, that an employer can make for their employee that are actually very inexpensive and can really make a big impact in terms of the triggers that a person living with migraine frequently experiences. So I'm just going to talk about a few of them now. Uh, one of them is, uh, for example, light. So a big trigger for people living with migraine are fluorescent lights. 
Um, and what an employer can do is simply put a filter on that fluorescent light. Uh, they can also put dimmers on if somebody needs to have a lower light level. Um, on the part of the employee, they can also wear things like migraine glasses or FL41 glasses, which help them to mitigate the effects of lights. Uh, a second thing that an employer can do is help with noise in the workplace. So this isn't always possible. And I think we have to be realistic about what the job is. Uh, and I think that the employee has to be reasonable about what their career is and how suitable it is. But as much as possible, uh, the employer could move an employee to a more quiet area, if possible. They could put them in a cubicle with soundproof walls. And again, from the employee's perspective, they could wear noise-canceling headphones, things like that to mitigate sound. So noise is a big one. Uh, another one that comes up frequently uh, with my members is scent. Mm. Scent is a huge trigger for many people living with migraine. And it's a little bit hard to control because many people wear perfume and there are other scents in the workplace, cleaning solutions, etc. So what an employer can do is simply implement a scent-free policy in their workplace. Uh, and it's the enforcement of that scent-free policy that's really, really critical. What I hear from a lot of my members is that their, their workplace might have that policy, but it's not being enforced. And therefore they are continually triggered by scent and getting migraines. So this is, a, this is sort of an easy one if, if we can get agreement on enforcing it and it would make a huge difference. Uh, another one is uh, having a dark room, a dark space available somewhere in the building that an employee could just go to if they need a break to get some sort of a sensory break and calm down their system, have some hydration, take a quick break. That would be a very easy one to implement. Again, would not cost money. And then finally, uh, we're seeing this more with COVID obviously, but the flexibility in a work schedule. So could the employee still work effectively from home? And I think we're seeing with COVID that in fact, many, many employees can work just as effectively from home. So putting in these policies for employees that experience migraine attacks, uh, giving them the flexibility to work from home uh, and have flexibility in their schedule would make a huge difference. And it would allow them to continue the upward trajectory of their careers without having to stall them because of this disease. In a survey by Migraine Canada on the impact of COVID-19, we asked participants about the impact of telework. 43% of people working from home due to COVID-19 reported that the impact on their health and migraine frequency was actually positive. In my office, I certainly have heard patients saying that working from home has advantages. There is less time lost in transportation and the environment can be adapted easily to decrease the trigger load. Telework might not be ideal for everyone, but even after the pandemic, it might be something to keep as a reasonable accommodation for people with migraine. That's so interesting to hear that there are many options and many reasonable options that, that actually can be done. So it's, it's worth initiating the conversation with the employer because that can actually lead to very concrete improvements. Uh, and about the no sense policy, we had this policy at the pain clinic when I uh, used to work in Calgary and it was written everywhere 
and it wasn't forced. I think a lot, a lot of it regarding the scents and the smells um, is once again, it's a bit of a lack of education and understanding that people don't believe that scents and smells can be triggers. So I think that's that's something we might actually do a podcast on because it's it's fascinating mm-hmm. the the link between the sense of smell and migraine. So so thank you for this list. I think it's a very practical list that we can yeah. share with our uh, community and also with the uh, the employers. Is there another one that you'd like to mention? Well, another um, component I think that we often forget is the conversation about health plans, health insurance plans. And it would be wonderful for employees to be able to talk to their employers about talking to human resources about exactly what kinds of insurance plans the company has and sort of advocate for themselves with the employer about looking at insurance plans that actually include migraine treatments in the insurance plans. That is one of the best ways that employers can support people living with migraine is to look at private insurance plans and make sure that migraine treatments are covered on those policies. Because as you know, every single policy within every single insurance plan is different. Mm-hmm. And sometimes migraine treatments are not covered and sometimes they are. So that is one of the best ways that they can support their employees and also, again, reduce the risk of complete disability and absenteeism. We do not always realize that employers play an important role in our access to medications. They do select insurance plans for their employees. That's why it's so important to educate employers about the impact of migraine and potential treatments so they can make sure they select plans which include migraine treatments, especially the more recent options. So that's another reason to break the silence and speak up about migraine in the workplace. One other thing that people face uh, with migraine in the workplace that I find uh, difficult for people to navigate is that is the concept of episodic disability, which means uh, for the colleagues, it's a little bit difficult to understand why last week, for example, you were super productive, everything went well, and then poof, you know, you, you missed two days of work uh, and you get back. So sometimes colleagues uh, also kind of have a bit of a skeptical or even judgmental view Um, Do you have any other tips to help people with migraine uh, have a good working relationship with their colleagues? I think it comes back to education. Uh, I think, you know, as the solution for almost everything. But I think with (laughs) colleagues, I think that, again, uh, the problem is that for most people, it's very difficult to imagine, as you just described, why somebody is out of work, uh, you know, off work one day and then back the next, and typically looks completely fine. Looks like they've completely recovered. So, you know, the job on the employee who's experiencing migraine is to do a little bit of work, uh, educating their colleagues about the fact that a migraine attack can be incredibly debilitating. And I think they need to talk to them about the fact that it isn't just a headache, describe to them the myriad symptoms that accompany the headache, And, um, you know, talk to them about the fact that, you know, the World Health Organization considers this, you know, one of the most disabling diseases. And, you know, it can often really change the perspective and their colleagues can start realizing, in fact, how strong they are to be able to withstand this kind of attack and then keep going on. So I think some of that is just 
having the strength and courage to open up and have the dialogue about what you're really going through and not hiding it. I think part of what we do, again, as people living with migraine and partly as women is we hide it and the hiding becomes part of the problem because then nobody ever learns what's really going on. That's so true. And it has to be a teamwork, right? Because we cannot, I think everybody has to get involved. So if you're the employee and you're the one with migraine, um, you have a, you know, you have a task and a responsibility. But uh, once again, Migraine Canada is there to support and to provide information um, to, uh, to the employers. I'm thinking about maybe a two pager for employers or a pro like a, something online or a program. Um, there was a massive work that was done in, in years ago now about mental health disorders in, in the workplace. And mm -hmm. I don't see why uh, there shouldn't be something very similar done for migraine because the prevalence is, is very high. And as you very justly said, it affects uh, people, especially women during their productive years. So uh, Maya, it was such a delight once again to discuss those things with you. You always make uh, very practical and very concrete uh, uh, suggestions for our community. So I want to thank you and I look forward to welcome you on the future podcast. Thank you. Pleasure speaking with you, Dr. Leroux. All right, my friends, I really hope that you found this podcast interesting. In conclusion, migraine has a significant impact in the workplace. We have to bring this topic forward to employers and insurance companies. Once employers understand the matter, they will be more open to reasonable accommodations and including migraine treatments in their selected insurance plans. Speaking up is key and Migraine Canada will continue to advocate for more migraine awareness, including in the workplace. Migraine Canada is a not-for-profit organization. We improve the lives of Canadians affected by migraine and other headache disorders through awareness, support, education, advocacy, and research. This podcast does not replace a medical advice. Always consult your treating healthcare provider to make any medical decision. If you enjoyed the content of this podcast, listen to the 11 others from our 2021 series, available on your favorite platform. Remember that you'll find plenty of additional information on MigraineCanada.org. Is there a topic you'd like to hear about in the future? If you have suggestions or feel like sharing your thoughts, please email us at info at MigraineCanada.org. And don't forget to check our website. We'd love to hear from you. 